0: Welcome to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I am your host, Tisha Richmond. On this show, I chat with educators and thought leaders from around the world to hear stories of how they are transforming teaching and creating unforgettable learning experiences because we all have our own special magic. In this special series, amazing career and technical educators share stories of how they are navigating project-based learning in a pandemic. Welcome to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I am thrilled to have Chris Peters with me today, chatting about project-based learning as we navigate in this remote digital world. Welcome, Chris.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, I am looking forward to our chat. I went to Pennsylvania this past summer and you were at that workshop and I was just talking to another educator this week and uh, chatting about that experience. It was so fun to be in Pennsylvania and you have such a wonderful network of family and consumer science educators there. That's so, so wonderful to have, have such amazing people to, to collaborate with. So I would love to hear a little bit about your journey into education. How did you become a family and consumer science teacher?
1: Would you believe it started with 4-H? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. That's awesome. I grew up in Northwestern New Jersey, which is it still is fairly rural. And that's just something you did. You were part of 4-H. And that's right. kind of sucked me in a little bit. <laughs> That's wonderful. We have strong 4-H
0: programs here as well. And in fact, um, our 4-H will do uh, their competitions in the culinary classroom that I taught Mm -hmm. in every year. They would take over the classroom for a weekend to have those competitions and such such valuable experiences for our kids. Yes. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. So what family and consumer science uh, classes are you currently teaching
1: and what grade level? I'm at the high school. Unfortunately, I am the last of all of the family consumer science teachers. And when I retire, I don't know if they'll replace me.
0: Oh, that's so hard. I know.
1: know. We have one at the middle school, and I'm the only one left at the high school. So I am teaching basically food classes and child development. Everything else has just kind of been thrown away.
0: Oh, that breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. and. And I think about right now and this remote world we're living in, and how vital those life yes. skills are more than ever. You know, yes. kids are at home Definitely. taking taking care of their siblings, yes. and people are are needing to provide food for their their families. And I, I think about that often. Those skills that are taught in family and consumer science are are all being practiced right now. Yes. You know, life
1: skill, yes,
0: absolutely is. Well, I certainly hope that they will find um, somebody to replace you and that they will see the value because um, because we have to keep these programs going. It's so important yeah. for our future and yeah. for Absolutely. our kids to have those experiences. So when we all as a, as a nation kind of were um, – Blindsided by <laughs> this coronavirus. I mean, we all were. Uh, I know for me, it was on March 13th that yes. we learned. Was it the same yes. for you? Uh, I know we just didn't. I just didn't even know how to process it. It took me a while to really think about what was happening, and and the news kept changing every day. Uh, from then on out, how did you react when you heard that you were going to be teaching from home?
1: Well, we didn't know on the thirteenth they had just shut okay. it down for two weeks. Yeah, so it wasn't until a week and a half later that we learned that we were going to be shut down, and at that point until April sixth. Okay, and of course they've extended, extended, and now the whole year's done basically. Right, um, I was petrified. Yeah. <laughs> How do you do practical hands on classes in online learning? So I was just pulling whatever I could to be able to fill the gap for right. my kids because I couldn't require them to prepare food at home. I have no idea what their economic statuses are. So that was kind of got thrown out the window. So it's been all academic and it's. Right. It's been tough on both sides. Sure. Yeah,
0: it's super tough and I think that that equity piece is is something that we're all facing because not every kid mm-hmm. has the same environment at home. Yeah. They they may not have the the food to be able to prepare what right. you want them to prepare. They may not have the time. They might be, you know, taking care of family members and mm-hmm. um, there's lots of factors, lots of factors right. involved. So were you in a school that had devices in the hands of students or how did that work? What kind of a, a digital platform are you working yeah. on?
1: The kids all have iPads. Okay. Um, we are a primarily rural district. So the biggest drawback was not having the internet mm-hmm. capability. They had the iPads, but they couldn't connect. Okay. So two of the local um, cable companies joined together. Um, it was based on economic need. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they created some hotspots okay. as well. I think the biggest drawback has been where you have several siblings in the same household and they're either sharing the same device or... One is why an older one is watching younger ones. um, Really kind of tough. Yeah. Um, And I've had kids reach out to me and say, Hey, my internet is so spotty. And it's like, okay, then reach out to technology. They'll help you try to figure this out, get you a hotspot or whatever you need. But even so, I think kids are falling through the cracks. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: heartbreaking to, to know that we can't, reach all kids in the way that we want to. And to be able to know, you know, some kids, we just don't know how they're doing because we can't make that contact. And that Mm -hmm. that is so hard as teachers. So using the iPads, having limited connectivity, how are you delivering your lessons? What is the mode that you've used to make sure that uh, or do the best you can try to get lessons into the
1: hands of kids? Um, We use Schoology. And I think just about every school in the country uses Schoology, mm-hmm. so that first week was really hard because Schoology wasn't prepared for this. Mm-hmm. We were down more than they were up. Yeah. Um, leniency has been the word of the day, and less is more. Mm-hmm. Don't pack because we have block schedules. Don't pack seventy minutes in there; they're not going to be able to handle it. Right. So I was—I've been using TED Talks. Oh, okay. Um, and then having them do brief summaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I have, I found because the second semester for me is qu- two quarter classes, mm-hmm. so we just finished one quarter and then we're going into the second one because it's just them and their iPad and watching whatever they seem to be picking up more that way. They don't have the distractions.
0: Interesting.
1: Yes. I saw this and one student who barely did anything for me third quarter and every assignment has been turned in. Wow. Less of a distraction. hmm But I know the biggest thing that I have heard from my kids is we don't like this. Yeah. We want to be in school. And they're social people. They want right. that interaction. And we can't have that. I mean, even as teachers. Mm-hmm. we don't have that social interaction to be able to bounce ideas off of people right so it's it's been tough it's, it's been tough yeah it
0: is really hard and and really interesting that you brought up how some kids are thriving right now in this yes. in this situation because they don't have those distractions, and then other kids are really struggling, and yes. so it, it makes you really think about okay, so what? I don't know. For me, I, I keep reflecting on what we can do when we get back into classrooms to kind of do some type of a hybrid model like how can yeah. we create um some experiences where kids that maybe are th- are really enjoying this platform right continue to have that way to connect and to sh- to demonstrate their learning and and then, but at the same time, knowing that that connection piece and that face to face is is so vital as well. And, and yeah. we're all, like we said, we're all missing that right now. That that right. sense of connection, yeah, for sure. Oh uh, well, that is I I think great that you have the, the Schoology platform. Uh, we don't have that in our district. We're be, we've been using Google Classroom, but I know I've heard a lot of really great things about Schoology. And and you also brought up the point that these digital tool companies. I mean, they didn't know it hit them to have all of these people, you know, all of a sudden accessing. Um, their tools. I mean, they've had to scramble to really keep up with the need. And uh, I think they've done a great job considering yeah. because
1: How should we get wow. through first couple days. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah. yes, absolutely. So you had mentioned the TED Talks, which I think is a great idea. I love that you are doing that. Would you say that's one of your favorite lessons that you've had your
1: students do? Or is there another lesson? I do like them because they're short and sweet. Um, it's not going to, they're not going to have to sit there for an hour and be bored. Most of them are um, interesting. So it grabs their attention. The other thing that I tried last week and I'm doing this week is a discussion board. And this week I'm doing it around the shortages of food shortages, and then the local farmers. Um, we've had just a couple counties um, west of us, um, dairy farmers are having to dump their milk mm. because the restaurants are closed, right. stores are closed. And everything has been set up for the small pints mm-hmm. or like a five-gallon jug that would go to a restaurant. Oh, interesting. So to retool that Mm-hmm. is expensive sure so there was just a, an article in our local paper this morning and i had seen it um, last week on facebook there is an egg farmer and we're talking like eighteen thousand chickens he's not small at all. Right. and his whoever his contract was through said i can't use them i don't know what you're going to do with them he said you might as well just send them to the slaughterhouse well this is their business. Oh, wow. They kind of put out this SOS and said, hey, we will sell eggs to whoever wants it. Sure. And it'll be contactless. You drive up, you'll have your name, you'll open your car door, put them in, and off you go. They sold out yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Awesome. That is awesome. I copied and pasted the article and put it on the discussion board and said, Hey guys. What do you think about this? Right. Most of our farmers markets are opening up this weekend. Wonderful. We have one in Bethlehem that is has I mean they're talk you're talking fourth generation mm-hmm. and all kinds of fruits and vegetables. Well, now they're opening it up to other local farmers. Oh. And, also and baked goods. Oh, so it's like the whole community has to come together to make this work. Yeah, it's, it's been fascinating following all these different stories and these different farmers and thinking there's a way around this. Yes. You don't want to see anybody losing their their occupation just because the restaurants are closed. You brought up such a really uh, such a great
0: point, and that, first of all, you don't think about all of the ripple effects of this, yeah. right? You think yeah. about you see your own perspective, you see how it's affecting right. the people you love, the people around you. Yeah. But I would have never thought about that, and and what is happening at that, you know, in that situation, in that circumstance. And I also think about how not only Communities are coming together, but people are being so creative at solving problems. I mean, you, I think when you are faced with economic hardship, you, I mean, you have to think creatively because it's a matter of you being able to continue on, you know, or not in your business. And, and I, I think that um, what we are doing in communities around the world and as a nation really is, is pretty incredible when you think about yeah. it and, yeah. and really working at solving these problems. And I love too, that you are including your students in that to give them the opportunity to, to read about these things and then to possibly have them even come up with the solutions. You know, I was right. always amazed in my classes, how, how, my kids would have the most amazing ideas for things if I would just Mm -hmm. ask them. And, and so what a perfect opportunity to, to pose some of these issues that are happening in our world right now and give them an opportunity to come up with solutions for them, you know, and discuss them, like you said, in a discussion board. Uh, I, I think that that is, is so incredibly valuable. And, um, really makes me think about the different things that we can do in our classrooms, especially in our project based classrooms to uh, have students be part of some of these, these solutions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Really, really exciting. So I always like to find the magical moments in everything. And so even in the midst of this, this, you know, worldwide pandemic that we are in, um, I try to, to find those moments because we, we have to, <laughs> you know, we have to, I think it's good for our soul when we can right. find the positive in, in our daily circumstances. So I would love to hear from you. What is a magical moment in the last six weeks of, <laughs> of, of navigating a remote learning that that maybe you have uh, discovered?
1: Well, I'll be quite honest. I am not a technologically savvy person. So the number of people that I was able to reach out to and just go help. Right. (laughs) How do I set this up? Mm -hmm. How do I reach my kids? What are some ideas? What, what are you doing? What's working for you? Mm -hmm. Having people, You know, just brainstorm with me the different things that I can use. But it's, again, people coming together to help each other. Because basically, teaching is an isolated profession. We're in our classrooms all day. You may see people out in the hall, but you don't have time to really talk, to chat. So true. So this has been a way to connect with other people. And find out what they're doing, what's not working. Right. And I may keep a lot of this stuff for next year. You know, if it works, then maybe we'll do something different in the classroom and say, okay, then you do this on your time. And you've got all week to do it. You have to have it posted by the end of the week. Because that's another thing I've seen is kids saying, I like that it doesn't have to be done in this set period of time yes Well, we could do it yes and if that's what works best for them then i'm not going to sit here and stand over them and say you must do this now right if they would prefer doing it at a, on a different l- speed level or or whatever um, yes so is it, it, that i guess has been an eye-opener for me right um give them the opportunity for extended period of time to, to do just a simple assignment. Sure.
0: Well, and just to your point before some kids are going to do better when they can do it in a different location and by themselves and not have those distractions. And so I think that is amazing. And, and what I keep thinking about too is How would we have ever known, unless we were put in this situation, how our students would respond, and how we we have had this kind of odd time to reflect and to try things differently and realize, oh, like that actually works really well, and (laughs) the way that I have been doing things for you know this period of time for however long, um, there's maybe a different way to do it, and I know as an educator, I. I had found myself dialed in, like I had done the same thing for a long time Mm -hmm. because it worked. There was nothing wrong; it was working. My classes were going smoothly. I felt like I had a good systems in place, and I, you know, I I shared my story, and I probably shared when I was in Pennsylvania that you know, when iPads came into my classroom, it, it disrupted that. And it was super scary. Yeah. I knew that I had, I mean, I had this class set of iPads and I had to figure it out because I didn't want to be, I wanted to be um, wise with this, with this technology and I didn't want to yeah. waste it. And so, you know, it's, it, but it was really, it was very uncomfortable but in the process of being uncomfortable, I realized, okay, now I see why I need to disrupt my normal dialed-in workflow because actually my students are more immersed than they were before. I actually have found that my my workflow could be more streamlined than it is and actually mm-hmm. save myself my time in the long run. And so all of those things. And so I think right. that right. is so true that Really, whether we like it or not, our, our workflow has been disrupted. Our teaching yeah, has yeah. been disrupted. So it gives us time. It gives us an opportunity to shake things up a little bit and to to rethink.
1: Right. How we do things. right. Yeah. Whether so, we want to or not.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've talked to a lot of educators um, in my district because as a tech integration specialist, I'm supporting Teachers, And then I've, I've had so many tell me, you know, I've wanted to do some different things, but I just never had the time. I just right. didn't know. I just had things really, like I said before, dialed in and it just mm-hmm. seemed like a lot of effort. But now that I'm forced to now I'm I'm so glad because I finally have learned these things that I've wanted to learn and that's and the beauty out of our rut. <laughs> yes, it does. It's it's painful, but it it, it, it does it does. And I also love that you brought up that connected piece about really reaching out to the people in our in our buildings, in our learning networks, in our communities, and just for one asking for help. Yeah, and then stepping out and helping those that need it. I know that. I've had a number of teachers in our district that have been helping with with tech integration because mm-hmm. they they have been doing technology in the classroom. They do feel comfortable. And so they have just been so gracious and giving of their time to help support those who have been struggling. And right. in that process, we are building relationships with our colleagues yes. like that. you Like you said, we wouldn't have ever had because we're right. always. I always called it my culinary cave. I was always there. I didn't. My kids were in there at lunch. They were in there at office hours. Yep. Like I might have gotten a quick run to like the the front office or my my box to check my mail, but uh, I was in there all the time. And and so how neat that some who knew right over right. Zoom that or whatever virtual platform we use um, for video that we were going to connect in. In a different way with people right. that would have never before, right? So, uh, I would love for you to share one piece of advice for people who are trying to navigate this. May still feel like they're just flailing and having a hard time, um, really making it through the end of the year. What's What's one piece of advice that you would give them? Uh, maybe something that you maybe wished you would have done from the beginning or something that really has just
1: helped you uh, stay the course. I think asking questions and reaching out to people. We have two coaches in our district and gotten to know them fairly well this year because I've been using them to help me brainstorm some different projects. Just kind of taking a step back and and it's all right not to know everything and it's all right to ask for help if you need it. Yes. I think that's the biggest thing. If you can get past that step, then it it just makes it easier. Yes.
0: So true. And I think that that um that's that vulnerability piece too, yes. you know, and just yes. being okay, you know what? I don't I don't know. And yeah. I need help. And sometimes it's hard for us to do that. But so many people are willing to help and they want to. And I always really? think too, when you reach out to people and and people are able to help, I found that it is really gratifying to those people because they they feel like they're doing something that is... Is going to be beneficial for for others. I don't know. I think we all feel like that when we know that yeah. we can do something to help others. It just it, it it just makes us feel good, and it also makes us realize it gives us um, validation. Like we yes. have something to offer. And I think that right now we all want to feel like we can do something to help and that we have something to offer because mm-hmm. I know a, a lot of people that I have talked to in my district as well just feel like I just, I feel like I'm not doing enough, even though we're all working so hard. It's just, right. Right. It's different. It is. And so. you always want to be doing more than you feel like you can do. And, and so I think that that's really, really wonderful. Um, Advice And so thank you so much for for sharing that. And I have really enjoyed chatting with you. And I'm so proud of you for (laughs) navigating all of this. And I know that, I mean, our kids may not have the experiences that we really wanted for them in this pandemic. Mm -hmm. They're never going to forget it. (laughs) They're not going to forget this. Absolutely not. In their life, no, they're gonna be talking to their grandkids about yeah. this some someday, and I have no doubt that the skills and the um the love and care that you you gave to your students through in the classroom and now out of the classroom will carry on with them for years to come. So, <laughs> I, I, I am sure, I am positive, and I just want to thank you for um, all of the years of of teaching and and bringing all of your skill set and um, expertise to family and consumer science. And I definitely hope that. Your, your position will be filled. I know that there were some awesome people that were at the universities when I was mm-hmm. there this summer that are getting degrees in family and consumer science. And so I um, hope, upon, uh, yeah. hope upon hope that they will <laughs> keep the positions open and that they will be filled and that those yeah. uh, programs will continue to thrive because uh, they're so, so important.
1: Thank so. you so much. I really appreciate talking to you.
0: Thank you so much. Have a magical day,
1: everyone. You too. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I hope you are inspired by this episode and encouraged to find new ways to bring magic into teaching and learning. You can connect with me on Twitter at Tish Rich, Instagram at Tish Richmond, or on my website at com please use the hashtag MLMagical to share thoughts about this episode. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and tune in next week for another magical episode.